The views, information, and opinions expressed are those of the featured guests and not those of IG Wealth Management. Welcome to a very special International Women's Day episode of A Wealth of Women's Stories with Manjeet Minhas. My name is Marissa Soreñese, and I'll be your host today. A Wealth of Women's Stories was created with the goal to feature experiences of empowerment, breakthrough, and perseverance shared by inspirational women from all walks of life. This podcast carves out a space where women's voices are not only heard, but celebrated. In honor of International Women's Day and this year's theme to break the bias, we are looking back at our season one episodes, highlighting our inspirational guests and some of their stories of breaking bias. This best of season one episode will also include new stories and unaired conversations from Manjeet and her guests. So lean in as we celebrate women's achievement, raise awareness against bias, and take action for equality. I'm Manjeet Minhas, one of Canada's top entrepreneurs, and so excited for you to join us today. Through a wealth of women's stories, IG is carving out a space where women's voices are heard. If you're looking for insight and inspiration through powerful storytelling that will resonate with anyone looking for the answers to the questions that we as women ask ourselves, then this series is for you. We begin our episode with Station Let Frederick. Station is an inspirational leader with over 20 years of experience in community and program development. She founded the not-for-profit Braids for AIDS and is the executive director for Weston Frontline Centre, a youth charity in Toronto, Ontario. Station shared some incredible insights with Manjeet on what it takes to be a leader. Individually, we're all responsible for our own thoughts and actions, all day, every day. Whether deliberate or unconscious, bias makes it difficult for women to move ahead. Station talks about how she challenges herself and always keeps an open mind. In effect, she works on continually breaking her own biases. What do you do to, to challenge your values and beliefs and move forward? Because I think a big, a big part of all way, a leadership is um, having humility and clarity and courage and having that humility to be able to challenge yourself to listen to others. So what do you do in order to do that to make sure that you're moving your own dial? Being able to listen to, uh, to people's stories. Um, you know, one, I have an open door uh, policy. Anybody from the organization, from, you know, the volunteers of the organization, placement students out of, uh, you know, in, in college can come into, into my office to challenge my, you know, any sort of thing that has, you know, been put forward uh, in, in the organization. And you have to be able to listen to people's stories. And that, that is part of, uh, you know, leadership is not being judgmental so that you can hear so other people can feel that you are are open that you're someone that they could able to talk to which can then in turn 
help shape your beliefs, right? Um, and so that's one of the things that I sort of um, keep with and, and, and remain open to people's stories. Everyone is different, right? I, um, again, my upbringing, the lens that I carry as a Black woman, right, is, is an, a, a Black middle-class woman is very different from a poor Black woman or a, a poor uh, white woman. That's the, the, the piece of intersectionality. And each person have a story. And so I must be able to hear those stories because it's that collective story that helps creates beauty. And we know that in uh, looking at studies around um, having diversity of thought helps lead in innovation. Very true. And so it is absolutely important for me as a leader to, to, to challenge my, my, my values, my beliefs, my, you know, all the, the things that I carry because I'm only one individual. Manjeet and Station also engaged in a thought-provoking discussion on leadership and empowering others. They shared compelling experiences around post-secondary education and career pathing, and the misconceptions and biases that can impact those decisions. They discussed the importance of mentors and allies to help young adults navigate these pathways and how having mentors and allies are key to overcome bias or expectations of one path versus another. And so you, upon your entrance, I guess, into Canada, you went to the U of Ottawa and got a psychology and chemistry degree, and then York University for a social work degree. And so talk to me, how was that daunting? Because many people that come from a different country often have to redo or just do education here, you know, when they are older and or when they're coming in often with a different cultural background. Um, And post-secondary is very different than in the West Indies or Caribbean um, that it is here. And so talk to me a little bit about that journey for you, why you decided to do that and, and how it really affected your career path. When you're an intelligent person in the Caribbean, many or, or from from third world countries, and you come, you you get pushed into become a doctor, <laughs> become a lawyer, <laughs> become an engineer, and so that is what was what I was being cultivated and being groomed for because I was, mm-hmm. was highly intelligent. I actually had gotten a scholarship for chemistry. Um, and so the plan was to do chemistry, then go on to medical school and to become a doctor. And through that, um, I because I was being channeled towards that route, I said I was going to specialize in child psychiatry. Again, going back to what I had told my mom as an eight-year-old, I wanted to work with, with kids. So I tried to fit what I wanted to do within what my parents wanted me to do. And it was only until my second year of university that I did an elective of psychology. And it made me realize that there could be a different part 
to what I wanted to achieve. So when I saw that um, sort of pathway open up for me, and that's something I talk to a lot of young people, um, is you may have an outcome that you're looking for, but there are different parts to that very same um, uh, outcome. And so that's one of the, the key pieces. But I think, uh, you know, what, what helped me in my educational system is that, again, um, I had people that supported me. I, I, I absolutely agree with what you're saying. And, and and that does resonate, like you say, with a lot of immigrants because, you know, I'm born and raised in Calgary, Alberta, but my parents are both uh, from India. And my dad's family in particular um, was a middle-class family in India. And yes, um, my dad is one of four brothers and all of them, doctor, lawyer, engineer. And so we were, you know, in a lot of subtle ways and not so subtle ways told the same thing. And my brother and I did engineering. And I, I do believe that because um, I get asked this a lot and as I asked you is that what does your education have to do with where you are today and I don't think it's ever a direct correlation no matter what you do I also love what you said about deliberately finding mentors because a lot of people ask oh, me especially and many people all the time how do you find people to support you how do you find people that are mentors and I, I think that sometimes is a very um, specific term because mentors can come in many different forms like you said um, friends they can come as somebody to listen they can come as somebody you know just to rely on their network to learn from and, and in a variety of different ways, but it does have to be often deliberate. I, I don't necessarily believe in serendipity um, or luck when it comes to that. I do think that you do have to, you know, pick and choose and and get people's attention. And like my grandfather always used to say, you are the average of the five closest people around you at any time in your life, especially when you're an adult. So I I, I definitely love um, the, those lessons that you've shared with us today. When host Manjeet Minhas sat down to meet with our next guest, we were all inspired by Faith Sagir's positive message of inclusion, empowerment, and challenging the status quo. Faith is the head of sustainability at McKenzie Investments, a thought leader, and she sits on two advisory boards, Tamea's Cause, an organization dedicated to building awareness in human trafficking, and the Women's Collection, an organization focused on enabling financial literacy for women. Similar to Manjeet and Station, Fate shared how she was faced with lack of information and misconceptions about career opportunities, and was inspired at a young age to embark on a different career path. But I remember in, in I think it was in grade um, eight, we had a junior achievements representative come, come in and there was a young lady uh, that worked for Deloitte that came out and she was, you know, teaching us about finances and so on. And I just loved her. I thought she was great. I loved her suit. I loved the way she talked and her confidence. I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's what I want to do. So I started to shift to accounting probably because of that young lady. And I can't even remember her name anymore. Well, it's interesting because you say that because I truly believe that we only can dream of 
what a career and a life for ourselves in what we see in front of us. And um, I'm born and raised in Calgary, but my parents are immigrants and and um, from India. And so I too could only dream about what I saw in front of me growing up, which was engineers and doctors. And, right. and so um, it's interesting that I never even thought of business as a career path or a job um, because I didn't even know what it entails or what somebody looks like in that field. And I think one of the great things about um, the world that young people are growing up in today is that they see people like yourself who've taken risks, who've taken chances, and really carved out a definition of a title, of a career path that is unlike anything they've seen before. So they can imagine themselves dreaming in completely technicolor and not having those those roles that were very, very defined for us growing up. Nothing wrong with them because it was what our parents knew too. But um, it is interesting that um, it takes sometimes a little bit longer. And in in many cases, that one just quick image um, of maybe a woman walking in into the class that you don't really know um, everything that her job might entail. However, you know that you want some piece of that somehow. That's right. That's right. And it's it's, it's just to your building on your point, it, it is really a, um, a beautiful thing that we have today in that you know, we, we do have access to, um, you know, through online and, and media and so on, you know, we're able to, to dream much bigger than, than our own local uh, environments. Cause I, it definitely, I, I think, you know, the way I grew up and maybe a little bit for, for you, I don't know if Minji, you had the same experience, but it was very localized, right? It was mm-hmm. my family. Windsor's a small town. It's a blue collar town. Right. Um, it's funny. I, I often share, you know, my, um, I had many, my, so my dad was a, a mechanic growing, uh, growing up, and I had a lot of friends whose parents worked, uh, you know, on the line at, at one of the um, car manufacturers at Chrysler's or Ford, uh, GM, and I actually envied them, like, oh, I wish my dad worked on the line, because in Windsor, that was like a big deal, right? right? right. It was like, who cares if my dad's doing something else? Anyway, right. it is, it's very localized, so. Right. Your perspective, definitely, um, is, is what you see in front of you and have access to. Fate was faced with bias in the workplace very early in her career. However, her determination to prove her supporters right helped guide her past hurdles and towards some incredible achievements. Here, Fate shares with Manjeet a story about one of those early hurdles. So I read an article about you in uh, The Investment Executive titled Stories of Challenge. And you share the experience of your first day at your new job uh, right after graduating, uh, where you were told by an executive that they generally don't hire women into business roles. And uh, I actually had to read that over a couple times. So maybe you can share that story um, because I really think it was very moving uh, for our listeners today. Yeah, yeah, would would love to. And it's you know what's it, what's interesting about that is I I think um, when that when that initially happens, this was this was again like first day on on the job. It was a, a VP. Um, I was I, you know it's a, a, quite a large construction company that I um, moved up to Toronto to work with, and they they generally focused on. Um, you know, it was construction, so hired a lot of engineers and and obviously business students to to do, um, you know, the work and but but very few women. Um, and I recall, you know, someone introducing me to him, or I think it was my boss who scheduled 
uh, scheduled like a, you know, 15 minute intro meeting with him. And so I went into his office and, you know, that was like, I didn't even really, we didn't really sit. Like, it was just like, he was like in a rush and, and, um, you know, he shook my hand. He's like, all right, well, welcome. But, you know, just so you know, uh, we don't, you know, we don't generally hire women into this company. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that's like, and my first reaction was like, oh, well, um, okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna prove you wrong. Like, well, we'll come back to that in, in a year's time. But I just right. kind of thought like, it doesn't really matter what you think. I've got my own agenda. Um, and, you know, and, and at the time I didn't, um, yeah, was, I think I was just very confused by like, why would you say that? And, and maybe, you know, I, I, I grew up in a household where, um, yes, an immigrant household, but very strong women, right? Strong-willed women. Not all of my aunts were married, right? There was like a sense of independence and you had to, you know, focus on schooling and, and so on. So I, I think that kind of also, uh, I'm very grateful and lucky for, for that upbringing because it instilled a bit of that confidence, even though like later that night, I was like replaying in my head what he said and thinking, oh my gosh, is he going to fire me? Like what's going to happen? Why would they give me the job? <laughs> you know? right. but nevertheless, my initial reaction was, oh, I'm going to get you. You know, I have had multiple experiences like that where it's just been, well, you know, either you could um, dwell on it, um, you know, and not push forward or you can, you know, get up and, and keep trying. You've got, like, you know, what, what do you have to lose? And, right. and often early on in your career, when you don't have a lot to lose, it's much easier to kind of continue forging on. Right. I completely agree with you. Your reaction is something that you can definitely control. Would your advice for others, um, especially women today, in a similar experience be to speak out and get out of their oh, comfort zone a bit? Most definitely. I think we're in a very different environment today. Mm. It's funny, I, I mentor a couple of um, brilliant young ladies that are just starting their careers. And I always ask, like, you know, how is it? Like, you know, how are you working with the guys on the team? Like, is, you know, are you, are you guys getting along? Are you getting opportunities? Are you voicing your opinions? Um, do you feel respected? Because that's like <laughs> that's right. another thing, topic, right? That we could talk about um, in, in certain industries. And they all say, yeah, like, no, we feel we're, you know, we're, we're equal, we're, we're treated fairly. And I always say, but it's, it's not over. Like, we're not right. at 50%, right? right? We're not at pay equity. There's still challenges. I mean, you saw it in the pandemic, right? No. Women's careers had to take a back seat. So don't take your eye off the ball. <laughs> so I would tell young ladies today, I think with all the policies we have in place, with the platform that's been created by the generations ahead, you got to keep, you got to stand up for, for yourself. It's, um, we're, we're here. So let's, let's, let's take it. Uh, let's, let's keep pushing it forward. On International Women's Day, it's important to reflect on the need to have more women's voices heard and the importance of promoting women leaders and having more women come up through the ranks in an organization. In Faith's episode, she shares with Manjeet some of the misconceptions associated with being a woman with a successful career and the importance of allyship and sponsorship in the workplace. The pandemic definitely affected all of us um, in different ways, but it definitely impacted um, really devastatingly on women um, and working women. So women in Canada's labor force plunged to its lowest levels in 30 years. And um, now the fallout really threatens the pipeline of women leaders. Um, and so when we look at the TSX, a mere 19% of board seats are filled by women. There are 179 companies with no women 
no, zero women on their board, which is astonishing to me in this day and age. Um, and then on top of that, in the Canadian corporate sector, only four and a half percent of board seats are filled by racialized women. Four and a half. Uh, it is absolutely unbelievable that it is such a small number uh, and it's not growing. And so what do you think needs to change? What needs to happen in order for us to move that needle um, to acceptable numbers? Because it's definitely not acceptable today. Yeah, no, it's not. You know, I, I, I do think we need, um, we need, you know, more women to come through the funnel. When I think about financial services, um, you know, often where we have that uh, where we start to see uh, uh, a, a gap um, between the the genders is when you start to get into some of the more you know more senior level roles, right? And those tend to be, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. It's not like <laughs> you don't have every weekend off, right? There's a lot of working nights, and so you know we have to you know um, as an organization and and companies need to get to a better work life balance so we can respect people's uh, you know life choices if having a family is is one of them then then we need to ensure we can respect them but i think we still have to do a, a little bit of uh, a little bit of work there because and 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 so i'm hopeful that that will help more women kind of come through come through the the funnel um, i i think you know one of the things that i've always been proud of that I've been able to do is asking for what I, I want in the work uh, place. And so, you know, I've, I've, I've often in, in with some of the women that I um, have, have um, mentored in the past, I'll say like, wh what do you want to be like, what does five years from now look like for you? Um, and it's often hard for them to really crystallize what that is, right? So taking a step back, really having that vision, like what 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 is the vision for your life? What's the vision for your career? What role do you want it to play? Um, and asking for it, right? Um, I, I think we lose a lot of women because they just don't raise their hand, right? right? And so we make assumptions that, oh, she's not interested, right? So we move on with, with other um, candidates. Yeah, it's often because women aren't raising their hand. They don't think right. in a lot of cases they have the time, um, they have the capabilities, they have the ability to even grow into that role or know um, what it takes. And I think that that, that risk-taking, um, but also in a lot of cases that sponsorship and allyship is That's missing. That right. um, sometimes, you know, I think uh, we don't do that enough for each other as men and women um, that we actually say, hey, you would be great for that. Um, sometimes we all need that push, no matter how independent we might seem to the outside world, we all need a little bit of lifting and, and push to say, yeah, I could try that, or maybe that's something I could consider. When we look at the biases and misconceptions of being a successful entrepreneur and a mother, Catherine Choi, founder of So Young, knows these all too well. Catherine first met Manjeet on the set of CBC's Dragon's Den, when Catherine and her family pitched her business. As a guest on the podcast, Catherine and Manjeet openly discussed being women with successful careers and how that impacts family life. You know, I can't say that I don't have regrets. I definitely have regrets. I have guilt um, because uh, I feel like there have been big gaps in my um, kids' lives where I'm like, I don't remember that period, right? Mm -hmm. Especially that time when I was really stressed out and, and I, I, all I could think about was the business. Um, and so, you know, I think 
that it's really hard. They're like that word balance. Very, very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, (laughs) I hope, and I I do sense, you know, and in actual fact, Dragon's Den, being on Dragon's Den for me, the value in that was really the experience that it brought to my kids. It blew their minds. Right. And, and I think back on that as one of the most like precious times um, of that, that we shared as a family. I think there is a sense that I think my kids know that there's something special about the fact that, that, you know, I have a lunch bag business, right? Mm-hmm. Like that they, they know that like that, that it's not typical, but there have been times where, you know, I, I was worried that I didn't do enough, right? I wasn't there enough. I wasn't, yeah, I didn't go to the school outings like the other parents and that kind of stuff. And, you know, um, makes it has made me feel like maybe I made the wrong choices. But then sometimes I think, no, I think that I think it's going to be okay. Yeah, and yeah. I think that they also understand the ups and downs of life and whatever life brings to them too. That nobody's yeah. um, journey, no matter um, who they are and what career they're in or what business that they own, is a straight line. Right. That there's always bumps along the way. That it yeah. it really um, makes you full of character and have a story. Um, but in a lot of ways, I've always truly believed that I need to be at where and doing what makes me happy. Um, exactly. And that brings a better mom at home and a better CEO at the office. And whether sometimes um, there's just not enough hours in the day and God bless, you know, devices and constant communication to still be there if you can not be at the recital or the game or the birthday, but, um, and, or the flip side, the meeting and the, the, uh, you know, the the work um, uh, functions, events, et cetera, that you want to be at too, those decision-making tables too. So I think that um, unfortunately all of us would love to have more hours in the day, but in the end of the day, I um, always go to bed at night thinking, okay, I, I'm, I'm, a believer, I'm a believer in not having regret because I um, am blessed to be an entrepreneur that can choose in a lot of ways what um, I do every day, but really mm-hmm. just being happy um, and putting my best foot forward in, in rediscovering um, some new challenges, helping those around me, like find my purpose and understanding that it's always um, changing. But I, I, I'm totally with you to, to say that you never know whether or not you're influencing your family and those around you in positive right. or negative right. ways. Um, you just hope that you're being open and honest and they understand um, that, you know, nobody's life is perfect. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and, and you teach them that they're capable as uh, that capable to do whatever they want um, right. and, right. and dream big. I'm, I'm always yeah. trying to say that in many different ways um, to my kids, but that I, I, I agree that that idea of balance is <laughs> complete bullshit. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I don't yeah. feel often social media helps with that too. <laughs> right. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and my mom used to, and, and still does, but especially when my kids were, you know, really, really tiny, um, 
used to say that there's no need to be perfect to inspire others um, because, you know, your imperfections are what often inspire people because they can't um, reach perfection. Nobody can. Nobody is perfect. So let go of that idea of trying to have it all and do it all. It is not necessary. And and I think that um, the more we can embrace that, the better moms, wives, individuals um, we will all be. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a relief too, right? Mm -hmm. When, when you know that somebody, you know, that you look up to isn't perfect. It's like, thank God. The importance of mental health and personal wellness was at the forefront of Catherine's open conversation with Manjeet. Catherine shared that she had lived a good portion of her life with an overwhelming sense of unworthiness. Catherine countered this belief with the courage to think bigger and believe in her own potential and pursue a greater vision. We are so thankful she shared her relatable stories with Manjeet on the podcast, as Catherine's story inspires and motivates us all to rise above misconceptions and work through the fear that can hold women back. It's really interesting because I started playing paddle tennis um, which is a very local kind of sport um, that's in my neighborhood. And, um, you know, it's a very social sport. My husband had started it a year ago and he was like, you should really join. Then you could like meet people in the neighborhood. And, mm. and so I reluctantly signed up because, uh, you know, I spend a lot of time working and, uh, and, you know, and I think he was kind of like, you need to do something else. Right. Right. And so I joined and I started about a month ago and I am so bad at it, like so bad. Right. And so <laughs> I showed up for paddle tennis and, you know, of course, like I've never played. So, you know, but I used to play tennis and it's a completely different game. It's like playing tennis with a, a ping pong uh, racket. Mm. And so you think that your racket's out there, but it's actually like right here. And so I like cleanly miss shots and things. <laughs> Anyways, I had this game um, on Monday and um, it was like, I was off. I don't know what it was, but I, I got to the courts and the other three women, because you're playing doubles on the team, they seem to all know each other. And so I had this mm -hmm. sense of like already like this, you know, it was like that sense of, oh, they know each other and I'm like the odd right. man out, right? And then it was like my brain was just, I couldn't focus and I just could not play. And we played three sets and I scored zero, like zero <laughs> on every single game. And I, by the time I left, I felt like, like I was in high school, right? And like mm, you, like right. I was embarrassed and I felt ashamed and I felt like, like they were all talking about me, like how bad she was and we hope we never get paired with her again. And like, they were <laughs> terrible feelings, right? And I was really stuck in that right. negative self-talk. But at the mm. same time, I knew that I was in that negative self-talk, right? And I mm. knew that even though it felt really bad, that it wasn't the truth. And I think that that's, kind of what happens to us, right? And so being able to step out of that program is what I have been able to cultivate and what anybody can cultivate with some practice, you know? Right. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. I have had the same experience with tennis the last uh, year and a bit. And um, it's funny because my kids were better than I because, well, they took right. lessons. But I am usually decent at sports and I sucked. And I actually yeah. then found myself, you know, I don't want to say sneaking, but kind of sneaking out to go to the court to like practice right. because I yeah. it was motivating me to be better. But I did find that it was a nice way to um, kind of de-stress and and focus on something else and, and come right. back, 
um, to what I was doing. Um, but um, it, it just kind of, I think, reiterates the fact I've always been a believer that confidence comes from not always being right or good at something, um, right. that it comes from fearing not to be wrong or failing. And I think that that too is something um, that the that allows, um, especially entrepreneurs, but all of us, um, as a way to try and take risks, um, calculated risks or not, because you can't control everything. And I think more and more people have discovered that in a lot of different ways um, over the pandemic. Um, but confidence, I, I I do believe that that comes from um, from not being scared and having that courage um, to yeah. push through yeah. that fear because we all have that fear. I have that fear. Absolutely, in almost everything that I do. But I'm always pushing myself to challenge myself to know that either uh, at the end I will succeed, um, yeah. I will yeah. fail and learn something uh, from it, or I will right. know I right. never want to do that again. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I mean, you know, after I the next morning after that you know that that disastrous pal game I was like saying to myself you'll see you'll see you're all gonna see I'm gonna show you right because <laughs> I think that's the entrepreneurial spirit right Manjeet closed off season one with author and blogger Alyssa Davies founder of Mixed Up Money Alyssa tackled head-on some of the biases and misconceptions in the financial planning industry while Alyssa would be the first to tell you she's neither a certified financial planner, a certified public accountant, nor an expert in any type of finance, she does make money sense easy and fun in a way that allows her audience to relate. Alyssa hosts the blog Mixed Up Money, and last year she published her first book, The 100-Day Financial Gold Journal. Alyssa believes in financial equality she knows it's important to acknowledge and vocalize the difficulties women face. And to help women, Alyssa provides tools women need to succeed and be heard. In our first clip, Alyssa shared with Manjeet the need to have more women financial advisors in Canada. What do you think needs to happen in order to make a career in financial services more attractive to women? Because the numbers are pretty dire. Right now, there's only about 23% of financial advisors in Canada that are women. And that's pretty low. And it's not increasing um, at the rates that our women's wealth is increasing. And so mm-hmm. what do you think needs to change? Uh, what would you, would you tell other women um, about getting into this industry? Yeah, I l- I love that we're even having this conversation because I wish that more people were open to the idea of jumping into finance. I think they need to give it more of a chance because I really do believe that it is an intimidation factor. Mm. I think we're made to believe that personal finance is is just a bunch of jargon. Like we hear things like RRSP and TFSA and RESP, but we aren't really told what those things mean um, and what they can provide not just like, this is what a TFSA is, and you can save money in this account and invest for your future. But hey, this TFSA can actually provide you with security and a sense of permanence in your life. Mm -hmm. Um, If we can kind of get over that mindset that it's really complex and start breaking down what personal finance really is, which is an opportunity to provide yourself with freedom and time, then I think maybe more women would be open to the idea. I think if you frame it as in like, look at all of these things you can achieve in your future or in someone else's future, if you take control of them, that that would be a really big eye opener. 
Yeah, I completely agree. I also think that the idea that um, any career is just male or male dominated or just female or exclusive to any gender for that matter um, needs to be thrown out the window because as you say, it's every individual is different um, as to you know what our needs are, how we approach um, specific topics, definitely such as money and what we actually want to understand at a certain point point in our life. Because I can say, you know, I never knew until it was too late for a lot of things, um, such as capital gains. Uh, I think everybody should know that because hopefully, you know, uh, everybody has some investments at some point that make some money and they need to be able to handle that. Um, And as you get older, a plan is super important, but to understand the decisions that you can make along the way early on, in some cases later, um, in order to to ease those financial burdens, but also just give you control, which is really fantastic, that I think that so many uh, people find daunting when it comes to that, but also that it's a very viable career path that has so many different titles, so many jobs within um, a financial advisor. I, I, I always used to think me to myself that that's one little box, but no, it's mm-hmm. not. There's so many different aspects to being a financial advisor. I think just taking what those experts provide for you mm-hmm. and making it digestible. Like when you go into any type of financial organization, I think the most important thing is that you can find someone that looks like you or has a similar life to you so that you know that they can relate to you so that they know you know they understand what you need in life and if we don't have those people available that's what makes us walk away from those moments and feel like it's not for me this place isn't safe for me this place isn't comfortable for me so i want other women who are in their 20s and 30s to come into my space and say oh wow, there are people that look like me, that think like me, that have lives like mine. As we all know, there is often an unspoken agreement among people that you don't talk about money. Alyssa strongly believes another way to break the bias surrounding financial conversations is to actually talk about money. It's all about becoming comfortable and helping one another. And so how much do you talk about money with family, with friends? Uh, do you, how did you become comfortable with it? Because I can say most people, even amongst you know spouses or family, um, never mind friends or colleagues, really don't talk about it. And they find it um, to be one of those you know taboo topics. So how did you become comfortable with it? Yeah, I, I really do think that that is the case. Like for me, it was easier to tell the entire internet that I had debt than it was to tell my best friend. Um, so, And I think that that's really normal yep. to feel embarrassed to talk to your closest friends and family about those types of issues. But I also believe that as soon as I started talking about it, I quickly realized that everyone was in the same boat. And mm-hmm. as soon as you kind of opened the door to have those conversations, it suddenly became okay to talk about all the time. And it also helped us all get kind of more acquainted and more comfortable with our own money. Mm -hmm. Like I have friends that work in a similar industry. So as soon as we started uh, started talking about salary, we were helping each other because we knew how much we should be earning. Um, And so having those types of conversations with your friends and family, although they're super difficult and super uncomfortable, that will never go away. I think they're really, really important because making money transparent in every sense of your life is, is so, so great. 
Well, there you have it. What a season. It's been a great journey to look back on today, on International Women's Day, and hear empowering thoughts from our host, Manjeet Minhas, and the inspirational guests from season one. We want to thank Station, Fate, Catherine, and Alyssa once again for their openness in sharing their stories. And we're especially thankful for our listeners. We thank you for tuning in, streaming, and downloading. And we're not done yet. What started as a platform to challenge the misconceptions and biases surrounding women professionals has become a community where support, advice, storytelling, and inclusion are connecting women and allies in an authentic and safe way. We are looking forward to bringing you more stories of empowerment, perseverance, and breakthrough in season two of A Wealth of Women's Stories, which we'll be launching this spring. We hope you enjoyed today's special episode, where together we can all break the bias on International Women's Day and beyond. This has been A Wealth of Women's Stories hosted by Manjeet Minhas and presented by IG Wealth Management. The views, information, and opinions expressed are those of the featured guests and not those of IG Wealth Management.